Do you wanna rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny. On Did That Do It For Ya? With Aurelia Grierson. The waveforms are moving. Please be quiet now. <laughs> it's okay. I, I got a little bit of that and I'll probably keep it in. Hello! Hi! And... Yay! And welcome to another episode of That Do It For You podcast. Why are you scared? I don't know. (laughs) This is a safe space. Great. Sounds perfect. I'm very excited. I'm terrified, but I'm excited. (laughs) Well, good. I'm here with the terrified but excited Cassandra Lopez. Cass, how are you doing? Um, I'm here. Had a nice nap. We watched a Batman animated movie which whose name escapes me but it was really great what was it something of the phantasm it was great oh sure why am I not surprised um I feel like we should just get this out of the way immediately Cassandra Lopez is married to a previous guest of this podcast Bill Demerit who did an episode about you know comics and uh Wonder Woman (laughs) can he hear me I guess so. I didn't know that, but apparently it's happening. Uh, yeah, he he did a lovely episode, you know, about his one true love, Wonder Woman. You are in many ways Wonder Woman. That's true. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie about that. Yeah. You would look really good in that costume. I'm also like super awkward, but like I can be when need needed. But I mean, I feel like that's like the whole vibe of characters these days is that you're meant to you know relate to them they're clumsy and they're awkward just like us yes you know humans are messy humans are messy that's what I'm like every time my therapist says that to me in like a way to make me feel better I'm like "Mm, everyone else though not me I can't allow myself that luxury or I won't be loved like (laughs) oh okay so you're just finding another way to tell me I'm messy great amazing I know it's like I failed Uh, and then I cry and I pay money to do this. Yes. So Cassandra, where are you in the world? I'm currently in mid, oh wow. I forgot for a moment. I'm in Midtown East Manhattan, hanging out in the freezing fucking cold. It's snowy there. Uh, the snow and I have a very interesting relationship, but it was a very beautiful snowstorm a couple mm. days ago. So there's still some nice snow on the ground. It, it's, it's kind of pretty. Until you have to like go places and walk places and like, oh, ice, ah, no, <laughs> slips. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. cold, but mm-hmm. I'm alive. And that's great. Staying in uh, my house. Mm. It's a pandemic. I try not to mention that as much as possible, but sometimes it has to come in. It's reality. Yeah, you mentioned what I'm wearing. <laughs> it's a leopard print bathrobe. It's very fuzzy. It's very warm. It's one of my most prized possessions. My mother found me a bathrobe. I'm small. I'm five foot three. I'm probably even shorter, but I'm going to lie and say that I'm five foot three. And my mother years ago found me this robe. She's like, I got you a large because it was all they had, but I think you'll like it. So it's this oversized fluffy cheetah print bathrobe. And I just love it because I'm swimming in it and it's so warm and it's so comfy. And underneath it, I have flannel puppy pajamas and that's I'm an adult, so there I am. Queen of cozy. I'm so cozy. Oh my god. Wiley, okay. (laughs) Around when fall began, Wiley started getting really into the idea of 
robes. I told this story in the last episode, but mostly focused on how he thought he could buy a robe at Best Buy. I'm sorry. I don't understand what you just said. Wiley thought he could buy a robe at Best Buy. (laughs) (laughs) If he actually, I should probably correct this because if he listens to this, he's going to be like sad that I said that. But I don't know what the fuck you were thinking, but we love you. He was thinking Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, okay. Okay. See, that makes sense. I thought that he actually realized what Best Buy was and that like maybe, okay, what if they like included LEDs in the robe or like it was a smart (laughs) robe and like we all missed what like the concept was. This makes sense that he just mixed up the store. He just mixed up the, the, what the store is, but he did like get really hyped for a second that he thought he was like Best Buy and he got really excited. Um, I know. Um, So then he got this robe, not from Bed Bath & Beyond. It was blue. It was blue, which I feel like if a Best Buy robe exists, it'll be blue. blue. He got this blue robe. It's like about, um, he didn't want a very long robe. He was very clear that he's like, I don't want like something long. I just want something. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) Bless you, sir, in the background. I love it. Um, So it's like kind of comes up to about mid-thigh. Yeah, his roommate calls it his OnlyFans robe. (laughs) (laughs) I think of like, when I think of that, I think of never even seen this movie, but I've seen screen grabs from it. I think of uh, Sean Connery and James Bond. I feel like he wears a short robe. Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort that's what I'm sort of thinking not that I'm yes. like trying to picture Wiley in a bathrobe for any other reason except to relate him to Sean Connery that's okay I mean he got inspired because I own several short red silk robes <gasps> oh, you're so luxurious and fashionable I think I'm an attractive person like I think I'm you know by no one can say that I'm ugly yeah you are um they have but they can't um and they're wrong uh but it's not I wouldn't say that being hot is like part of my brand but what I mean by that is like I since I let go of being an actor I feel like I can like kind of settle down more in the fact that I'm like a funny bitch and it's more important for me to be funny and charming than to be sexy and hot well because funny and charming is actually sexy oh thank you if you're if it's like if you're one or the other funny and charming I'm not gonna say it's like gonna make you hot or sexy but like it kind of does but if you're just hot and sexy you're boring true I think that you and also Eleanor make being hot and sexy like part of your funny Wow, I've literally never heard that. Thank you so much. No, that's definitely, no, that's definitely like part of your funny. It is. There's like hot girl humor, which I think just takes kind of a level of badassness and kind of fuck the world that I think that you have in spades that I admire so much and I love and I love being around that I simply as a neurotic Jewish person cannot. I just can't. (laughs) I just Sweet, thank you. As I, I said, love it. The robe, not feeling like a badass. <laughs> but that fluffy robe is leopard print. Is true. That's the thing. <laughs> anyway, Cass, how did we meet? We met at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Flex. So we met at the end of 2018. Yes. And we were at Jefferson Spirits slash, I almost called it Unagi. That's just because I watched Friends. We were not at Umami. We were at Jefferson Spirit slash Sakana. Sakana. Yes, we were sitting there. I was with Krista, I think, and you came and joined (laughs) us. Or maybe you and Krista came and joined us. And you were like, oh, 
I'm understudying Indecent next year. I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And Bill was there? Yes. I See, I was blind. <laughs> I was blinded for you that I couldn't even remember. Oh, thank you. No. And you were wearing this like amazing <gasps> tracksuit or something. It was like, it was, there was definitely a jacket. I can't remember if it was like a full suit, but it was really fucking dope. And you were talking <laughs> about how you were going to understudy Indecent the next year. And we all just kind of like hit it off and became friends. And then the next season started and there we all were being underpaid and overworked. Uh, yeah that we'll we'll talk about that but um <laughs> that is exactly how it happened I remember the moment very clearly and I remember the outfit very clearly and I talked about it with Bill I think in his episode I described it as I looked like an Irish yes it would have been cocaine if it's Ireland well all all in both both in um, I looked like a drug dealer case in point um I never thought that once just so you thank know. you I mean I think the top was like a, a cropped like Russian flag I think um and then like red pants and this sounds correct yes yes I was kind of in I was like going through some gender stuff I think at that moment so I was like mm. it was a dope outfit but I not appropriate for Ashland Oregon <laughs> everything's appropriate for Ashland Oregon <laughs> I feel like in Ashland Oregon if you wear anything nicer than a polar fleece people get up in your face and they're like why are you dressed up I saw a meme on Instagram a few months ago and it was a you know poking but it was probably on Ashland memes RIP original Ashland memes and it was something about like the people who like the women who show up in heels like anyone who wears a shoe that looks like this in Ashland you can tell they're not from Ashland and I was like fuck y'all because my calves got a shoes all the fucking time yeah I I feel like Ashland is a little bit fashion backwards and I always think that when I see someone who's fashionably fashionably dressed I'm like oh well certainly they work at the festival because <laughs> the tourists they don't look good well so, I mean where I mean they come from other areas in the Pacific Northwest that also require polar fleeces so. I guess they also come from the Bay Area which also like that's the ideal layer for the Bay Area. But yes, when we met, I remember um, I'd heard so much about you because you and Krista were in Oklahoma together. Krista is scheduled for their interview soon for this. Oh, I'm so, so excited. I can't wait for that. And I just remember hearing so many stories about how what a super great time it was. And I then getting to meet you, I was really excited because I was like, oh, this person's like a super fun time. And I was right. I was also intimidated because... Like you and Bill came in and you guys were like, we are who we are. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going <laughs> to work with them next year. And they're both so cool and pretty. And I was All freaking out. Odd. All of us. Oh, and then I got to know you and I was like, oh, they're, they're dorks. <laughs> and then I calmed down. But it was actually, it was so nice to like go into uh, working at OSF or having already met you guys and it was like really clear from our first meeting that you guys were like, you had like kind of just decided, you were like, we're going to have your back. And so I went in already feeling like you had my back and it was just nice to to have that in my, in my season. So, and you had my back so much. Yeah. I always, always have, always will. You can bet your ass. Oh, gosh, oh, I'm sure we'll we'll get to this. And I, even <laughs> if not, I'd probably have to edit it out just because I'm like constantly getting in trouble for my big mouth. It's a blessing. Don't ever let anybody <laughs> tell you different. You know what? If you don't advocate for yourself, nobody else will. And I really like grew a backbone in this industry at some point and learned how to do that. And yeah, sure. Some people might think it's weird or whatever, but... <laughs> I'm not trying to be underpaid anymore because 
I'm trying to be an artist with integrity. Oh. Your behavior is aspirational. And the way that you absolutely just like stood up for the people at the very, like on the bottom rung of that ladder, I will think about till the day I die. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Just doing, just doing my part. Oh, we are all worth more than other people make us think. So I completely agree on that note. Let's let's talk about why we're here. This episode is kind of going to be um, a little bit of a break from our normal what we do, because I know that the main topic that you wanted to talk about was covered not too long ago. So it's going to be like a sneak attack episode of like where we say we're talking about one thing and we'll also talk about that. But, we'll, you know, it's it's we're fudging it. So what what are we here to talk about? Uh, I guess we can start off with my earliest memory being attracted to a television character. I couldn't tell you how old I was. I must have been very young because this was when I was still living in New York. And I remember this because we had one of those TVs that you could like didn't have a remote and you had to like go up to the TV to turn it on and off and to change the volume and like had the antenna. So you had, yeah. (gasps) The bunny ears. Oh yeah. College Point, New York, old school Italian, like household, best believe. And I remember watching Power Rangers I don't remember the character's last name, but one day during an episode of Power Rangers, Tommy the Green Power Ranger (laughs) on the screen with his beautiful face and his long ass hair. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? (laughs) Something happening inside of me that has never happened before. And I don't know. I mean, it must have been like, he was gorgeous. He has this good, go- beautiful face and like this nose and these, like cheekbones. And oh my God, his hair was just like, so like amazing and long and like shiny. And I was like, holy shit, I've like never seen a man that looks like this. And then he like goes into all this martial arts and starts like battling villains and shit. And I was like, <laughs> save me, please. <laughs> I'm not even in trouble, but come here to the second to the last stop on the seven train and come save me in College Point, New York. Like, and I love Power Rangers. Like, Power Rangers was the shit yes. when I was growing up. Yes. And I always, like, I always wanted to be the pink one because there was, like, a brief moment in time where I was like, I'm a girl, so pink's my favorite color. <laughs> but besides that point. I'm, I'm not a girl and pink is my favorite color, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I they were just so cool and they were like aliens and I was like this is really cool and then you know he happened and then he played like he was the green ranger he was the white ranger he was the black ranger I think he was the red ranger at one point and he was just all over that damn show okay because I have like this I usually do research but I'm bad and today I had a lot to do but I have I remember watching Power Rangers growing up I remember I had a friend who was obsessed with Power Rangers and I watched Power Rangers enough that I guess my parents got me one of those little, you know, those cars that kids drive. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Does that make you feel like an actual driver, but it's literally like a like a two inch tall Mercedes or whatever you buy them. At, like, yeah. Yeah. You get them at Toys R Us. Oh, RIP. And you like put gasoline in them and they do go. They're like tiny little go parts for children. And I, it's so wild. I don't, maybe it was like some sort of hand-me-down situation because we were not, my family, I just like, I don't know how we afforded that. Like, somehow came into possession of a vehicle. Somehow into, into a purple Power Ranger Jeep. It's so good. It was awesome. And I, my sister and I, 
like physically fought over it. I lost my first tooth. I'm pretty sure fighting over this <laughs> fucking Power Rangers Jeep. But the thing about the Power Rangers that I always like when I think about them now is that that show had everything. Yeah. That show, aliens, dinosaurs, martial arts. They really covered a lot of ground. They covered a lot of ground. And I think the original show... The American show is is essentially ripped off from a Japanese show. I mean, I'm not surprised in the fucking slightest, but yeah. I don't think I ever knew that. I know this because there's an episode of My Favorite Murder, shout out to Georgia and Karen, where they talk about how an actor on the Power Rangers series killed someone. Awesome. Not your guy. Not your guy. Amazing. Great. But he, it was the, the Red Ranger. <laughs> killed someone well that's upsetting <laughs> sorry to that person <laughs> that's okay but back to your memory I love hearing that the thing that drew you to this character was the fact that like it was like the first time that maybe your young brain recognized someone as beautiful yeah I really think it was and I yeah he must have been the first one because I remember like I remember also watching like Gene Kelly but that was later on and I was just like oh my god he's really good looking and then I was like holy shit look what his feet can do like what the fuck but the youngest yeah I guess the youngest that I was and I was just like whoa was Tommy Green Ranger he was not the red one (laughs) no he he was later I think I remember the first time I saw him and he was the Green Ranger I will literally never forget but shortly after I think he was the Black Ranger yeah because I think again because the show has everything and can be anything I think there were like different versions of the show and certain cast members would come in and either like play different roles or like it was like kind of a weird puzzle piece of things he had a very wide arc he covered a lot of like mm-hmm. a lot of different parts and I don't think I ever really understood nor do I remember because it was so long ago right in so many different versions of the show and I actually think that he just filmed something recently semi-recently I don't know I'm sure they're doing some sort of like revival because nostalgia culture for the millennials is huge right now oh we love to pretend like we don't have bills to pay absolutely he's definitely a martial artist he is a He's an eighth degree black belt. Oh my God. I honest, like, I don't even know. I I can't even comprehend what that would compute to in martial arts language. Uh, (laughs) Pretty sure it's like really fast. Anytime anyone just says black belt, I'm like, oh, that's impressive. (laughs) Right. Like how many years have you put into this? How many years? And I wonder like when he became that, you know, because Mm -hmm. he was obviously, I, I don't know what, you know, belt he was during the show I assume he must have been pretty high up on the chain whatever that is sure um in order to be able to do so many of the stunts on Power Rangers but like like how many years have you been studying and I'm sure he's still actively studying because I don't think I don't think if if I'm framing it you know like acting the learning never really ends so but yeah guy's talented guy's talented something that comes up a lot on this show is this kind of conflating of excitement and excitement (laughs) (laughs) and actually interestingly enough when I was talking to uh, Kenzie about uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean which we'll talk about with you here in a second oh my god dive so deep you don't even know it's that I think there's something about our young brains seeking that rush and that (gasps) that moment of oh my gosh Mm -hmm. and 
I think when we are in our kind of tender young stages and we're just starting to know desire, the two are often linked and conflated. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested just in terms of like not even getting to, to Captain Jack yet. If you see kind of the, you said that you wanted the green power ranger to, to whoop someone's ass and, and, and whisk you away. Um, do you kind of see that reflected in your life today? Do you seek out similar patterns in your romantic life? Or is that just something that you, that you save for the fantasy and that's all? I feel like I've never thought about that. That's actually a really great question. I feel like I don't, I, I wouldn't say that is something that I seek from other people. I sort of feel like I seek it for myself now to be that person, to fight for others and help others, which would explain a lot considering what you've brought up about me in terms of like how we met and how we've bonded over a lot of things. You know, the the type of advocacy that I've tried to do on, on behalf of myself, but also others, at least in the theater world, which is so complicated and nuanced and, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, so I, I don't think I would say that I, I seek that out from others. I would say like, I'm trying to be like that person and that like badass to try and help others because like that makes me happy. That's really beautiful. And I think so often on in, when I'm talking to guests about this, it's so much about like, how does this tie back to who you're attracted to today? But I, I never actually really stopped to consider like, oh, it could be these things that we are attracted to in our young lives are then something that we strive for in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And they imprint on us in ways that are positive, not just in our relationships with others. Like Jacob on Renesmee. Oh, shush. <laughs> Cassandra Lopez played Esme Cullen in our uh, drink along Tipsy Twilight, and it was awesome. And uh, you'll get to see them a lot again in our new season. However, I have been horny since the age of four, and I, <laughs> I I'm sorry. Haven't, I haven't we all? There's been a lot of discussion lately, particularly around the show Euphoria, that is like very much like don't sexualize teenagers, which obviously I agree with. But I think my lived experience was one where I knew about sex. I knew about sex and not in a way that was dangerous. I don't think like I, my parents were just very honest with me growing up and I was a curious mm -hmm. child and I asked questions and they never kept anything from me. So I've been horny and I, they were always very upfront about sex being for making babies and for making pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I was like, mm. <laughs> you're like, yay, what is the <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you because there there is a way of sexualizing teenagers in television that is real. And then there's the one where it's just like pedophilic and harmful. There was a TikTok floating around and it was uh, this woman who does impressions. I cannot remember her name, but she does like the waspy white lady and she does her. Yes. Yeah. And she did one and it was like how HBO writes teenagers and she's like yeah you fucking slut i skipped like <laughs> and i went to go buy drugs you stupid bitch i'll see you later when we go drink alcohol and it's so fucking funny because there's this like i think there's this view on like how to write quote the edgy teenager end quote and she really hit the nail on the head and hbo max i think actually commented back and was like lap like asterisk like laughs in emmys and people were like stop you. Like, stop being rude, first of all. Like, we get it. But also, like, it's kind of unrealistic because not every 
fucking teenagers like that. But no, there there is a way. I'm sure. Who knows when anyone will find the medium of writing, and I'm and they probably exist somewhere. But of writing these teenagers who are truthfully figuring out sexuality and like what that means and what that looks like for them and like have who has had this conversation with their parents because like I remember having the sex talk with my mom my mom had that with me like eight or nine. Oh that's actually my last question on the but we can do this can, now if you like or we can save it. We can save it. Save it. We'll come back to that. Put a pin in that. But we will talk about that. Um so to your point though, the, have you seen Sex Education on Netflix? I have not. Oh, I think you would like it so much. I want to watch. I uh, like. There's no reason I haven't. I yeah. like, haven't gotten to it yet. It's really wonderful. I really like it because I was having sex in high school. Like I was a sexually active teenager, and they. I feel I felt seen and represented in this show. And there's like kind of just like a very wide array of sexual experiences represented on this show. And they talk very honestly and frankly about youths and young people experiencing these things for the first time or not experiencing them for the first time. But like, I, I really like it. I think shows like Gossip Girl, no, no hate to that, my most no, formative media thing. thing where but Serena got, she goes away and then she comes back and they go flat. She goes away. People are sitting, these kids, they are children. You are children and you are sitting at bar. At a bar. No, <laughs> look, that tripped me out so bad. I don't know any and maybe it's because like we grew up with not a lot of money and like because I one of the things about my high school, like, so we we went to school across the street from this school called La Jolla Country Day School. So this is in San Diego. This is in a very wealthy neighborhood called La Jolla. My school, called the Prairie School, what up, Prairie School UCSD? It was a school specifically for students who come from low-income families. Uh, it was a college prep charter school. So, like, the whole goal was for you to be the first in your immediate family to graduate from a four-year university. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't do that. Ah, I decided to become an actor. Uh, um, oh my God. What a career choice. But yeah, so it was, you know, you had to be below a certain financial cutoff and your parents couldn't have attended a four year. And there were all these, all these different things. And a lot of people were bussed into this neighborhood because we obviously did not live in La Jolla. And there's a school street called La Jolla Country Day. And it was like the prep school, like the rich school. Literally, we could see their school from ours. And you would hear shit about La Jolla Country Day, like kids doing drugs and shit. And like all these kids like having parties on the weekends. Like you hear about La Jolla High, like all these kids, they're like, oh my God, the seniors are doing cocaine in the bathroom. And we were all over here like, we don't have cars to have parties with each other. So no one ever did that shit. Sorry. I don't know how I got on this topic, but. Uh, no, I really like it. Let's stay here for a little while. <laughs> oh, but like, so. So, oh, Gossip Girl. So, like, when I saw shows yes. like that, where they're, like, sitting at a bar and she's, like, on his lap and they're making it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Whose high school experience is this? Is this even real? This doesn't make sense. Because even in New York, where the liquor laws are pretty fucking lax, let's be real, I don't know anyone who would let a visibly looking 15-year-old drink at a bar. Yes. And that is why I think when we talk about sexualizing teens... I have to burp again. Do it. I did it. So fun fact, sometimes myself and guests will burp on this show. <laughs> I have saved every single burp that has occurred Stop. on this show to the loop library. <laughs> and I have them all. I don't, I'm not intending to do anything with them. They're just there because I think they're funny. 
maybe I should make them like my bleep sound. Like if I have to bleep someone or something's <laughs> name, I will just like put a burp. That's funny. I should do that. I think you should change them into like a song. <gasps> and that'll yeah. be the, fi- the finale of every season of this podcast. Just like that. this is this season's burp song. <laughs> I was going to, I should release it on the Patreon and people pay money to listen to everyone's burps. <laughs> Uh, you know people pay people yeah. pay money for weirder stuff so oh no that'd be like a fetish thing i don't want that <laughs> <laughs> um not to kink shame not to yuck anyone's yum listen if you are into burps you're not hurting anyone as long as you're obtaining those burps consensually and legally, i guess you're good and legally <laughs> legally obtained burps back to my point i have adhd that's not my point, but it's worth mentioning. Sexualizing teenagers. Yes. I think like the main kind of point of that argument is shows like Gossip Girl, like Riverdale, uh, cast very visibly adult actors, very visibly adult actors as yeah. teenagers, put them in highly sexual situations, but it's okay because they look 25 mm-hmm. at least. Look at Greece when Rizzo and, and Kanicki are in the car. It's like, oh, they look like 40 year olds. But yeah, like that is a big issue because then it kind of, that's making teens seem like a sexually viable Mm -hmm. option, which they are not. They are not. Where I think it kind of begins to get a little trickier is when I think that argument can quickly start to backslide into teens can never be represented doing anything sexual. Like teens should not be exposed to sex. Like we can't have teens having sex at all. And that's just not that's that that's abstinence only sex education well you know a lot of people in this industry like it's hard for them to you know have a fucking imagination so there's no like the middle ground has been hard to find very i know for a lot of the work i make and want to do that is about middle school aged people i think a lot of parents might have a hard time with letting their kids do the material i write right a teacher from ashland middle asked me about doing cabin 12 at the middle school And I was like, I think that might be a hard sell because the use of the D word is essential to the plot. Like the show doesn't move forward if this, this word isn't Mm -hmm. said. And I'm very interested in exploring how kids say swear words. And I think watching, watching young people that I've met who are just like kind of deciding they're going to be like rebellious with their language is my favorite thing in the world. That kind of moment where they get quiet and they're like, you're such a bitch. (laughs) They kind of like, they kind of like breathe and get quiet. Where it's like, do I say it? Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Do you remember the first time you ever said a curse word, like in casual conversation? (laughs) Oh, sure. Kind of. I have two stories that I want to tell about this. The first one is that the first time I had a panic attack, I was really young. My sister and I had a giant trans trampoline what up on our big ass farm that was definitely a hand-me-down that was like someone's gift that they gave to us and oh I the best moments of my life happened on that trampoline including several people's first kisses um, yeah get it god now I have three stories I need to tell about this fucking trampoline but then I want to ask you about <laughs> your curse words too um I'll do I'll make this quick okay so I was having a panic attack because my sister was doing that thing where you like she like double bounced me uh-huh. so she would like bounce down when I was about to land and then like you know, kind of take yeah. my bounce and and I was getting so scared and so worked up and I like stopped being able to breathe and then I figured it out like breathing again and I <laughs> And the, I just screamed out so loud into the hills and woods. I was like, fuck! <laughs> that was the first. 
first time I remember saying a swear word. And my parents were both like bohemian hippie people. So they swore a lot. And so I heard it a lot mm-hmm. growing up. And so I think third grade was probably when I was like, I'm just going to start saying crap. Like crap is a part of who I am now. Crap, crap, crap. <laughs> and I got like in trouble with people's parents because I would go over to their house and be like, what's this crap? Back, but of course back like, when this we thought that was the C word. Yeah, that <laughs> the original C word. The last story I want to tell about my trampoline. Um, this is not about swearing, but it is a cute story about middle schoolers. I think like my school did like Aladdin Jr. or something. And I had the cast party at my house and this boy, it was like a group of us on the trampoline and like, mm, and he was like, I know we should play a game. And we're like, okay, what game? And he's like, we should play the kissing people game. Wow. That's so innovative. Good job, right? <laughs> and we were like, pray tell, how do you play the kissing people game, Ryan? And then it was just in the bottle, but that was I will like never forget that as long as I live when he was like, let's play the kissing people game. It happened. It was there. It was an experience. It happened. What was your first swear word? Like, when did you start incorporating it into your vocabulary? And what was your first kiss? Uh, okay. Swear word, seventh grade, vivid memory. I, yes. so like my curse words have been a part of my life literally forever. My mom curses mm-hmm. more than she wants to admit. And she'll be uh-huh. listening to this mom. Just be real with yourself. I love you. Thank you for teaching me how to curse. Um, <laughs> Andrea is the shit. We love her. So my like my mom cursed, and she uh, to her credit, like she tried to like curb it, but she's New York Italian, and my dad is Mexican, and uh, in Mexican Spanish, every other word is like a slang word or a swear word. So like my first words in Spanish were all curse words, and like amazing, totally. And so like I, I just kind of they were all just there. I didn't think anything of them, but. I would never want to curse around my parents, you know, like that was like a thing. Like you have to be like a little girl and like you don't talk that way in front of your mom and dad who raised you. Were you Catholic at all? Oh, Italian Catholic and Mexican Catholic? Absolutely. There it is. Yeah. (laughs) You cannot swear in mass. Oh, God, never. And I did go to Catholic school for two years with nuns. That I freaking love seeing nuns. Whenever I see a nun in the world, I'm like, holy shit. Let me tell you, these New York nuns are nuts, bro. Ah! It was so funny. So like, super quick. When my mom was a little kid, she got beat with a ruler for, oh, she's a little rebel. She don't want you to know it, but she's a little rebel. And she got hit with a ruler on the hand and she cried by this bitchy ass nun. And then fast forward to me going to the same school years later. We had a substitute teacher one day. Her name was Sister Mary Catherine. Fuck that bitch, number one. <laughs> number two, we were all, we were just in class. I don't even remember us doing anything bad. And like, I was a rule follower for a lot of my life. So I would remember if people were like acting up and we weren't, we were just like in class and she started screaming. We're in first grade, by the way. Oh no. And she keeps like screaming. She's like, shut up. Oh, Screaming at us little kids to shut up. And like, at that point in first grade, like shut up is not like, the best thing to say, especially these little kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like, made some kids cry. I was, like, shocked out of my mind. I was like, what is this woman saying? And she was really mean to me, and she was really mean to everyone. I went home, and I told my mom, I was like, mom, we had this substitute teacher today, and she was a nun. I was like, 
you know, telling her everything that happened. My mom was like, who was this? And I was like, her name is Sister Mary Catherine. She goes, no fucking way. And that was the nun that had beat her on the hand with a ruler years before. The same bitch. This, I mean, this woman was like old when she came and substituted for me. So like she was much younger when my mom was in school. My mom was like, that bitch. <laughs> oh my God. The same bitch of God. But, um, so I started cursing around myself and my friends in seventh grade I, I thought that for some reason once I hit middle school I was like yes congrats this is some sort of graduation like I'm on my way and it was very like it was like peppered in here and there and then once I hit seventh grade I said like fuck that something some, some you know whatever whatever and I kind of like looked around and then I was like eh and I shrugged my shoulders and from then on I think it was fuck I think fuck since seventh grade I almost Every other word I say is like a fuck this, fuck that bitch, this shit sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I don't care. And it's God, I love it. Such a normal way of how I speak. I did not curse in front of my parents until I turned 18. And that's oh. like after I graduated high school, that's when I was like, ew, another graduation. I'm still on my way and I'm now gonna curse. I like tested it out. I said, I think I said shit in front of my mom once and she didn't do anything. I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then. <laughs> I like would do it a little bit more, but oh, the first time I said fuck in front of my dad, he was like, Mika, what did you just say? And I was like, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but now it's, and I am turning 29 in a month and even still to this day, Mika, don't talk like that in front of your parents. Why do you, why do you say that in front of us? I don't want to hear that. And then my dad will be like, ah, fucking this shit, uh, you know. So why do I say that in front of my parents? <laughs> it's so nuts. But yeah, so seventh grade was when it began and has not stopped. And you know what? I like talking that way. I feel perfectly comfortable. There are many conversations where I know when to tone it down. And I know, I, I try to read the room and like not... I don't feel like it's a part of myself where I'm just like, I'm just going to die if I don't say it. But I try not to like lose my essence now. I try not to go and switch because I used to do that a lot. But yeah, it's that's just part of my life. Um, You asked what my first kiss was. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's one that happened that was like, I don't really count because it was like, yeah, it happened. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then there's like the first one that like actually meant anything. You can share whichever you want or both. I don't care. We're, we're chilling. Well, the first one, it was like this guy that I like supposedly dated for like a week or something. And he was really <laughs> super nice guy. Incredibly nice kid. But yeah, he kissed me one day and I like tried to avoid it because I like didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I was just like, this is weird. I don't know how to be a girlfriend or boyfriend. And... We were by the soccer field and we were about to, we were at the end of lunch. We were about to go to class and it was totally fine. Like he just kind of like grabbed my face like very nicely and like gave me a kiss. And I was like, that was super slimy. <laughs> it was fine. I didn't like, you know, enjoy it. That was at the begin towards the beginning of the school year. And then like January rolls around. I'm like, I had this crush on this kid. It was this so, it was such a weird back and forth. And this is my ex who later we went on to date on and off for 10 years. Whoa. Nuts. We were on and off from the time we were 14 to 24. Jesus. Yeah, nuts. And so it was after school. There was this thing called Ecology Club, and it was like the environmental club at school. And people just stayed to like recycle shit and compost shit and like hang out with each other because they like didn't. I love that that was. Yeah, I love that that was the cool thing. Absolutely. It was great. Like, we all wanted to like hang out with each other. We were like, cool, environmental stuff while we chill. Like, great. I love that. And so. 
we were staying after school. It was a whole bunch of us, like the entire cr- the crew, all of us, decided to stay after Free Ecology Club one day. And me and this kid had been going out maybe for a week or two at this point. And he needed to go. Like his mom had gotten there. So he's like, oh, I have to leave. I have to leave. And then he kind of like grabbed his stuff and he was about to rush out. And then he came back and he, he like went in for it, but then he got nervous and he kissed me like right at the edge, like right edge of my mouth, like half on my mouth and half <laughs> on my face. And he's like, okay, bye. And for some reason, I was not this bold at this point in my life, but this is probably one of my boldest moments as a 14 year old. He started to leave and I went, hey, and he turned back and I said, you missed. And he you told him back and he goes. He like took a breath and he like just came over and he kissed me. I was like, okay, you can go now. Oh my god! And I was like, okay, I wanted it to be that epic. That was great. That's adorable. Yeah, it was pretty. Oh it was pretty god. cute. I will say that's. Really and I was like, cute. I was really proud of myself because, like I said, like I had never imagined doing something like that. I had been a little more shy than I am now, so I was just kind of like, yeah, I feel like a badass. You know, like. Yeah. And then you got addicted to that feeling and now here we are. <laughs> so yeah, that's that story. That's so freaking cute. Wow. I'm going to incorporate these questions into all of my interviews. <laughs> Wait, okay. So quickly, we, we do have to kind of start wrapping up, but I want to hear you, your, your feelings about Captain Jack Sparrow. <gasps> Where do I begin? Do you remember when you first saw Pirates of the Caribbean and how did that make you feel? <sighs> okay. Interesting story. So okay. I'll try to make this as quick as I can. So the first time, the first time I came into contact with Pirates of the Caribbean, my parents took me to Disneyland. I was seven years old. They took me on the ride and I cried because I was so terrified. I was frightened. <laughs> there was a dark tunnel. There were drops. There were cannons and shit. And I have, to this day, I have very sensitive ears. So even the smallest loud noise, like it hurts my brain. So like those cannons were like not doing it for me. I was bawling in the back seat of one of those boats with my two parents. Yeah. Like, why did we fucking come here today? Oh no. <laughs> they were probably so mad at me. So I was terrified. And then I remember being, and I must've been in fifth grade. First one came out in 2003. So yeah. July 7th, 2003. Um, <laughs> the, the day. It's a sickness. Get ready. <laughs> And so I remember seeing the trailer on TV and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? This looks so stupid. And it was the scene where Elizabeth is on the boat and he's like, you must start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. And I was like, what a fucking line, bro. Like, what is this? (laughs) Fast forward to the summer after sixth grade going into seventh grade. My mom works at a high school. And so she works, um, she works through summer school. So she's away a lot. And we lived literally a three minute drive from where she works. So she would go to work and she would leave me at home for the day. And I would be doing literally nothing. I had all of these bootleg DVDs from New York City. I had so many. Every DVD I owned was a bootleg. I had to the Caribbean on bootleg. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. And I don't know what, I don't know how I picked it. I don't know what spurred me. Aurelia. I watched that movie every single day for an entire summer. I memorized it by the end of the summer. And if I were to watch the movie right now, I would still know, like I could recite it word for word as it, as it's going. Ah! It's, it's 
I'm, I'm a crazy person. I don't know why I'm like this. But I watched it every single day. And then the following year, I think it was July 3rd, 2006. 2006 was when Dead Man's Chest came out. And I was like right. fucking hype. I had a t-shirt at that point. I was like, I'm seeing shit in theaters. I saw it with my friend Haley. Like, and then from there, it was just like, that was the end. And I was obsessed and I'm still fucking obsessed. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. Have you listened to the to the Pirates episode? I have not. I recommend that you do. I think you'll, you'll, I think re- it'll resonate with you. Um, <laughs> because we, we talk about kind of the, it's like it, because how exciting that movie is and how like perfect the- adventure film. It's the perfect adventure film. Johnny, and and granted, you know, there's so much shit and controversy surrounding him now that literally, like, no one can fucking pinpoint the truth on and everyone's so fucking confused. But, like, he created this character who's, like, fucking Captain Jack Sparrow, y'all. Is like, in in interviews, Johnny Depp talks about him and he's like, you know, pirates were kind of like the rock stars of their day. Like, the legends of them arrived before they did so people were like talking about these pirates and you know you hear about the the traditional ones like blackbeard and then you have the females like Anne bonnie and mary reed and you know everybody knew about these people before they before they docked and then they docked and you were like oh we're all fucked now so exactly but he also you know he also says like the thing about jack is like that man gets his he doesn't fucking know what the fuck he's doing and even when he doesn't have a plan he has a plan and he just kind of looks yeah. around and he's like well i guess i gotta do like how the fuck do i get out of here oh gotta do this and like well maybe i'll just grab this rope and hopefully it'll take me away and if not i will just run and like that level of improvisation is so foreign to me but i want to yeah. be like that <laughs> like i want to yes. be able to be that resourceful in situations yes. And he's also, he's a good negotiator because when you're in it for yourself, but you also have morals, you're going to be led in the right direction. So you're going to like, you know, you're going to come out okay, but at the end of the day, like you are going to negotiate the best thing for your friends too. So I don't know. I, he's so good. I think that that's great. I think you should listen to the episode because we talk (laughs) a lot about, we talk a lot about his Mm unself-consciousness. There's, there's nothing self-conscious about Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. There's drunkenness, there's clownery, but like there's nothing, um, there's nothing self-conscious and there's something I think about uh, gender expression in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an there's a femininity to Jack that I think yes. is very exciting compared to the other representations of masculinity in that film. And um, he like doesn't care too, because if that, no. like if that were more you know not evident but like if that were like a a more um like a hardcore like driving point of the plot that would be totally fitting and normal and it's like it it just that is who his character is and no one really questioned he's like yeah that's exactly who fucking jack sparrow is yes he kind of kind of fits in this um prince Bowie-esque kind of like tipsy genderless space alien kind of rock stars were his inspiration for the role yes I mean exactly mainly based it on Keith Richards who was later in Keith Richards and Pepe Le Pew as oh my god so perfect (laughs) amazing amazing but yeah just exactly and yeah you know it, it we talk a lot on this podcast about uh, problematic things and how do we reckon with loving things yeah. that in kind of as we as we grow as a society, hopefully uh, we we learn caused harm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a Harry Potter fan and yeah. I'm, 
I'm a trans person and a Harry Potter fan. And how do I reconcile that within myself? Yeah. My drag name is Draco Mouthful. Like I, it's, my queerness (laughs) is so wrapped up in my love of Harry Potter that it's like, so it's, it, it is like kind of a constant journey. And I think loving loving Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow is I think a similar kind of complicated mm-hmm. journey that we all have to kind of give ourselves grace and an understanding yeah. and to reckon with I've been thinking a lot about ancestry uh-huh. as someone who is Jewish and then someone who's Anglo like those are my two I, I guess I'm Norwegian those are my two sides and I can't come to terms with my Jewishness until I come to terms with the side of me that's also a colonizer right and I just think it's important that we have these conversations, you know, it's, it's all, it's all important and it's all something that needs to be met with compassion. Yeah. It's like, I mean, like you said that, you know, somehow at some point finding the, I always use the term middle ground, but middle ground is an important space. So like Mm -hmm. the middle ground of like what you love about the world that was created and separating it from you know, we find ways to not like monetarily support these people anymore while still yes. like honoring these stories that taught us so much about ourselves. And like, even through, like, I remember once I like dove deep into the legend of Jack Sparrow and like his character that's not really discussed in the movie that I learned from like mm. written stuff and like deleted scenes and all these things. It's like you can learn shit from him. And the the person character he is, you yeah. Know? And like, it's so interesting having to separate that, but also like, it's taught me something that mm-hmm. I value about myself. Yes, absolutely. Death of the author and all that. Okay, my last. Like I said, like I think technically three more questions, but the last two are really short. But did you have the talk? The talk. Yes, my mother had the talk with me. She pulled me aside when I was like eight, going on nine. She's like. I think it was something like, it's time to talk about some stuff. And I was like, okay. My mom and I are, my mom is like a combination of my mother, roommate, sister, and best friend. Like, I. So you're Rory and Lorelai Gilmore? Kind of, except fuck Rory Gilmore. I literally hate her. I fucking hate Rory Gilmore. She's one of the worst, worst characters ever created. It's, sorry, it's super on my mind because while Wiley and I were in quarantine, I we started watching Gilmore Girls from Have the beginning. Have you seen it before? Never, no, he's never seen it before. And he was hesitant at first. And I was like, no, I really think that as a voice and text person, you are going to like this because yep. this is some incredible breath work. Yes. And he's really, really enjoyed it so far. And so it's it, it's just on my mind. So when you said that combination, I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But yeah. Fuck, a lot of fuck Rory Gilmore. <laughs> oh God, she's so fucking stupid. Fuck Rory, fuck Jess, team Logan, team Chris. I'm all about it. Anyway. Oh, I'm team Luke, but I am team Logan. <laughs> Logan's so great. Logan's the best part. Jess is just broody and annoying. Um, Jess for me, <laughs> Logan for Rory. There you go. But yeah, people have compared, people are like, oh, you guys are just like this. And I, up until like two years ago when I watched it, I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my mom's great. And, you know, we are super close and we have lived together until I moved back home to New York. So yeah, she just like pulled me aside and she's like, we're going to talk. And she... Oh god, I think this was like an American Girl book. It was <gasps> the care and keeping of you. The care and keeping of you. Cass, wait, hold that book on. was. Uh, don't even tell me. Did you have it? You had it. We all fucking had that. Book. I'm oh, learning oh, that this course. is like a you. <laughs> this is like a ubiquitous thing. 
So I listened to this podcast that I can cannot recommend enough called We Did the Reading. Mm-hmm. And on it, they talk about, there's this concept of an artistic Bible and it's basically kind of your influences and the pieces of art that made you kind of stop in your tracks and that you have kind of reached for your entire life. Yeah. And when I was thinking about like, what's in my Bible, I was like the care and keeping of you and Judy Bloom. I went back to that resource multiple times as I was getting older. I'm, to be very frank, every single fucking time I put in a tampon, I fucking <gasps> a diagram in my brain. I think of that diagram. How the fuck to put in a tampon because I'm like, this shit is hard. I've been doing it for years and it's difficult. And you gotta do get some angles right, and you gotta sometimes you gotta stand like it's a whole ass mess. And that oh book my god came in so clutch, but it was so like. And it was just written so well and it was illustrated so well. And whoever did it, God fucking bless. But um, that was one of the first. And there was like another one, but I don't even remember it because the Karen Keeping of You taught me literally everything. I knew. Everything. In a very non-judgmental way also, might I yep. add. Like it was very just like, it was very pro-menstruation. It yep. was very like, it was so you can shave or not. It doesn't matter. Like it was super like awesome. Yeah. But, but yeah, so we had, so she gave me that book. And we read it together and she was really open. And it's sort of weird. Cause like my mom's not, my mom's not like a prude, but sometimes when we talk about things, she'll go like, Oh my God. Like, so she has three other siblings that I no longer speak to for obvious political reasons. Um, uh- my mom was born much later than the, she was like an accident much later than the rest of her siblings. Like her oldest sister is like, 15 years older than her at least so there's a huge age gap my mom's a baby and you know if if, historically speaking like she grew up she was a teenager during like the mid-70s so she was kind of you know her mind was developing in the more like free thinking era of things Mm -hmm. and so like sometimes I think like sometimes she's like oh my god like, should I be talking about this? And then she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, it's, just, it's like a, you know, talking to my mom about stuff. Like, she was always really open. Sometimes it was like, oh, my gosh. But it's like, oh, no, it's cool. Like, I'm not. We don't have to have our fucking makers in a bunch, like, in the 50s. So it's all good. But, yeah, the talk came around eight or nine. And I'm really glad it did. And I'm glad it came from my mom. And it made me feel comfortable to ask her things about my body. And, like, I didn't really talk. I never talked to my parents about boys. Ever. I hated it. Because it was, like, uncomfortable for me for some reason. But, like, when it came to my growth and my own, like, sexual stuff and, like, what's happening to my body, like, eh, I never felt bad. And I'm so – I will always be so thankful to my mom for, like, being so open. And maybe she was nervous, but I will never know because she was super cool about everything. So. That's incredible. Thanks, Andrea. You're the best. Yes, we love Andrea. We do. That's amazing. Cass, do you have anything you want to promote? No. Like, no. <laughs> promote me sitting on my damn couch. I'm not doing shit. <laughs> do you have social medias where people can find you? I should they want to the find you? I social medias. I am at CL Sparrow on all my social media. Cute. Literally everything. I'm CL Sparrow on Twitter. I am CL Sparrow like the bird, but not the bird because like Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Did you not know? I thought it was the bird. I was like, 
sparrows are birds. You can no, I fucking hate oh, birds, but I love man. Jack Sparrow. You love Captain Jack. Oh my god, that's how much. Okay. And I so I got on Twitter like when Twitter was first a thing. I've been on Twitter since like two thousand and five or something. Oh, and I grabbed CL Sparrow and I grabbed CL Sparrow on Instagram so fast because nobody was taking CL Sparrow. What do I want to name my first daughter? Sparrow. Does Bill want that? We don't know, but we can try and convince him. Um, you can talk about it. But yeah, I'm at CL Sparrow on everything for obvious reasons. Amazing. That's we, incredible. He's a wonderful character. He freed slaves. And that's why he got branded a pirate. Did you know that? It's not so. I didn't know that. Cap- I wish they put that in the movie. It was a deleted fucking scene. Shut the fuck I read about up. it. I'll do this super quick. I read about it in one of the books that like Disney came out with about the legends of Jack and the background of Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow was born in Bristol, England. He was apprenticed to a map maker and that's how he became obsessed with like nautical ship. And then he was like started working for the East India Company. And then one day, Lord Cutler Beckett, that bitch was like, you're going to take this ship from point A to point B. And Jack was like, what am I taking? And he goes, cargo. You're taking cargo. And when Jack got to the ship, he was like, these are fucking people. This is not cargo. And so Jack took the ship and he freed the slaves. And then when they found out, they took him and they branded the P on his wrist. And they were like, you're a pirate because you fucked up our cargo. And in that deleted scene, Beckett makes some reference to, you know, blah, 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 you, the shipment that Jack never finished. And the, the cargo that never reached its point, and Jack says people aren't cargo, and that's <gasps> oh and they my fucking god, and, and I'm so mad about it. Fuck it's such a that that would have damn damn end scene end scene cast. This has been so great. Yay! I my hope I was question. a good guest. I was right. You were an incredible guest. <laughs> If you yeah, want to know Twitch. anything else about Pirates of the Caribbean ever, please let me know. I literally know everything there is to know about those movies ever. We'll make a bonus episode where you can talk about it more. Oh my God. We're dying. <laughs> oh, Cass, my last question is, did that do it for you? Oh my God. It hella did it for me. Thank you. Oh my God. It was the thank you so much for having me on. I just I love you and I adore you and I admire you so much. Your work is incredible and... I'm just so honored that you would ask me to literally do anything. So, oh my god, the feeling is so mutual. Oh my god, I'm overwhelmed. We now. could just gush. We could gush over each other for hours. So, well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That do it for you is hosted and edited by Aurelia Grierson to the best of their ability. It is produced by Dante Tapo and Chandler Parrot Thomas. Eleanor Hobson is our media and marketing manager. Our theme song is by Eric Solis, and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers. That do it for you is a sex positive podcast with naughty words and mentions of characters I do not own. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at that do it for you. Be sure to tell your friends about us, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor, you can go to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community. 